speak your mind. Nothing will stand between us. We got love and that's enough. No matter what the people say, it's all this fades away. Nothing will stand between us. We got love and that's enough. Well, you know, romance is one of the greatest gifts in marriage. And when you think back on your relationship, there are probably some really beautiful moments that you've had together. I am taken back to our early uh, days, in fact, our honeymoon, when Dina and I went away. We got into the, to the mountains of northwest Arkansas. We just had a week of exploring and being quiet, nothing to do uh, except enjoy each other's company. And we got to this really cool um, pull-out space with a scenic view, and she still had her bouquet from the wedding. And she took that thing, and we had the camera ready, and she she flung it out over the hills. And it was really, really an awesome time of just being together with the sun in her hair and that, that bouquet kind of going over the edge into the mountains. It was a really neat moment. And uh, you probably have some really neat moments like that together. And uh, we're going to encourage you to stop and slow down and think about those today. I'm John Fuller, joined by my friends and colleagues, Greg and Aaron Smalley, and we're going to talk about some simple, fun ways to bring romance back into your marriage. So how about you, Aaron? What what would be a, a simple uh, moment that ended up being pretty romantic with each other? It's so intriguing because it was just a couple days ago. Um, we were sitting in the kitchen, and all of our adult children were home, and my oldest daughter was playing a song from one of her favorite artists. And it happened to be a remake of the song, You're Still the One. And she was blasting it. And actually, Greg, you ran to get food for someone. And so you were gone. But I was listening to the words of this song. And I just started weeping. Oh. And then I sent to you. I was like, oh, I've got to find this and send it to Greg. So I sent it to you. And then he walks in. And it was just the sweetest moment because I looked at him and I said, you're still the one. And it was precious because our sweet daughter, who has just gone through a divorce, was weeping for a very different reason. Mm -hmm. But just thinking of in two years, we're going to celebrate 30 years. And I imagined in that moment, just having a celebration and dancing to that song. And, with, and that, that song has the lyrics, husband. you're still the one, we're still having fun, yep. if I'm thinking of the right song. Yes. Yeah. And you're it's still the one. Nice. It was funny. She she texted me that. So I just, all I saw was you're still the one. <laughs> you had a burger in the car and you're on your way back. <laughs> and honestly, my first thought was, I'm still the one that makes you angry or <laughs> I'm still the one that's in trouble. Why did he go there so quickly? <laughs> I yeah, I was thinking, what have I done? Because I'm driving, so I can't really pay attention. But to instead, it was it a was. sweet, wonderful tear tearjerker of a moment for your wife and, yeah. and then for you. And then we, I that's came neat. home and realized what it was and we danced and laughed and yeah. as a family to that song. Excellent. Well, sometimes the most romantic things in marriage can come from a very simple situation. And uh, last episode, we heard from Matt and Lisa Jacobson. Matt is a pastor and the founder of FaithfulMan.com. And uh, here are Matt and Lisa telling a pretty fun story about their relationship. Uh, now we got to flip the coin a little bit because you had an experience too where I think Matt came home, he came up, you were making dinner, you were really being pulled in a lot of different directions, but he came up and gave you this wonderful embrace, a hug uh, from behind just to let you know I'm home, I'm in your corner. 
it didn't go down so well, though, right? <laughs> well, what a beautiful thing you did. Thank Matt. you. I just I wanted to say that's those. very kind of you to that being oh, announce your. It wasn't homecoming. my proudest moment for what sure. Happened? So yeah, I'm cooking dinner. I'm sauteing the vegetables <laughs> in the pan. He comes behind me, does the loving husband thing, kind of puts his arms around me, and all I could think of is I'm trying to make dinner here. The kids are, you know, all noisy. They're hungry. Everybody's falling apart, and you know, you're taking this moment to do a little lovey-dovey thing. And I was immediately convicted, though, and I thought, okay, Lisa, here you've got a man who's wrapped his arms around you, and really you're going to shrug him off? That's terrible. And I thought, wait a second, what if I just turn the stove off, and I turn around and lean back into him? I don't know what got into my head, but I did it. <laughs> and I did. And boy, right then and there, the whole you know kitchen caught on fire. And <laughs> our kids are like, whoa, what's with mom and dad? <laughs> That's one of the joys of having kids. It's just embarrassing. Now. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Make them sick. But I thought, yeah, I could have missed out on that, you know, by mm. being so task focused. And so, you know, what's going on in this situation? But to be really of... practical, Lisa, I mean, I'm thinking of Jean. We've had a similar experience, mm-hmm. maybe more than one in that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's a scientist. That's her background. So she's really focused on the beaker. You know, mm-hmm. 14 milliliters <laughs> of oil have to go into that, whatever. Yes. So on behalf of those women who maybe have that disposition, how do they flip that switch like you did? Again, you're making great choices all the time. It's amazing. But talk to the woman who's not made those great choices and is you know, somewhat perturbed. Right. That, and it's don't two, you know I'm making sense? There's too. There's a woman's side and a husband's side as well. Well, I'm a get it done girl. So you're right. I am can be very task focused. And then on the other hand, I think, oh, why don't we have a more romantic relationship? Why don't <laughs> why aren't we more lovey? Why doesn't he hold my hand? But then you start connecting the dots and you think, yeah, because you rejected him Shut by shrugging yeah. him well, off. Well, it has to be at the right time. <laughs> which, is true, which is true, but you can't, beggars can't be choosers either. Right. So, and I thought, you know, what does it cost me to just stop right now and communicate a little love? And not only did it not cost me, but even though I didn't feel that passion right then and there, it happened just by uh, giving it a second or two. And this really does go back to that issue of making a choice that says, I love you rather than a choice that says I love me. So that means that we're kind of ebbing and flowing with each other through the day and being mindful of where the other person is at. There's a beautiful uh, verse in the Word that says, live with your wife according to knowledge. And that means I make a study of this woman. I'm mindful of who she is. I think about her personality. And so I interact with her in a way that is according to who she is as a person, according to knowledge. Mm I really like what Matt and Lisa were sharing there. Um, sometimes we want to just kind of skip over the opportunity, but actually, when there's that moment when your spouse is asking for some affection, uh, just give it to them. I mean, it doesn't take much. G- Greg, you encourage couples to really lean into those simple opportunities um, instead of brushing them off. What's your heart on that? You know, it takes effort and energy and intentionality to lean into those things. And what it ends up doing, it sends a very, very powerful message to both your spouse and to your marriage. What it says to your spouse is, you know, you're worth the effort. And and our marriage is worth the effort. And that's why those small little moments, like when we, you know, sang as a family to the song, You're Still the One, I mean, that, that takes some effort. It's easy to ignore these little moments, but but they add up and they become these little micro moments within your relationship mm-hmm. that, that just add up. It defines who you are as a couple. It defines that we're going to spend time 
and take advantage of these little things. We're going to look for them. And what's interesting is the more you do that, it, it even shapes your perspective in how you perceive your spouse. When I'm looking for little ways to be romantic with Aaron, or I'm just noticing little things that she's doing, I, I, I see her in a different light. I, I see her in that way, and that shapes even the way then then I my view of her. And so even for couples who are struggling, who feel like, you know what, we've drifted apart, you know, we've we've lost that loving feeling, it's really not going to be the big date nights, the holidays, the yeah. trips that are going to turn things around for you as a couple. It, it really is looking for and taking advantage of these small little micro moments and watch how that is going to create a reconnection for you guys as a couple. Yeah, I think it's really important what you're saying there. And just as uh, a reaction, I'm thinking about 36 years for Dina and myself. And it's easy to kind of forget what used to be normal. Right. And so even last night, um, she was feeling kind of sad about some things. And I sat down next to her. And it took an intentional act of effort on her part not to sit next to me, but to lean into me. Oh, yeah. And yeah, as yeah, she yeah. got up to get a little closer, I put my arm up and around her. Now, there were days when I would be dreaming about how do I get my arm around her, right? Back in the early days, it's like, I just want to put my <laughs> so arm around this yawn girl. Yeah. Yeah. Stretch out. Yeah. And, you know, oh, hey, and, and, and after 35, 36 years, it's easy just to overlook those. But she took the effort to lean in, and I made the effort to put my arm up so I could be, you know, around her. And it was a small thing, but normalizing those little acts is so important. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to hear from Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi. They're both married, and they have some creative and very interesting ways for keeping your relationship strong with your spouse. Here they are now with Focus President Jim Daly. I think, Marcus, you have this acrostic uh, where you relate the on and off switch in the back of our head. Now, I, I'm going to say it again. So men, listen to this. Yeah. Women get this gene lit up on this when it said, yes, this is so true. Right. So what is that acrostic? The acrostic is cake, right? <laughs> I say, love that. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I designed <laughs> it for men. Right? We can who remember. doesn't like cake, right? It's like, this is a piece of cake to have a better re- marriage. So the uh, idea here is that um, the on-off switch in your brain means that on the right side of your brain are most of the relational circuitry. And the idea here is that when my relational circuitry is functioning and everything is going well, it's easy for me to act like myself. It's easy for me to stay engaged. You know, we can, it, it goes well. But if something happens and the switch goes off, I, uh, my relational circuits, when they shut down, I stop acting like myself. I turn into a different person. All of a sudden, I don't feel like I want to be with you. So cake helps us analyze if I, how I can tell that my circuits have gone off. Okay, good. All right, so the first one is curiosity, and that is I lose my curiosity about you. And the main reason that I lose my curiosity about you is that I think I have you all figured out, right? So if I think I've got you all figured I know why you're having this emotion. I know why you're making this decision. I know why you're being the way you all, because you always do this and you never do this. So I have no curiosity about you. I don't like cake anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It rings true. That is so true. It is. I mean, you tap out. You did. You think you know it all. That's exactly what happens. Boy, men, listen to this. So when your switch goes off, you lose curiosity. If you want to get your relational circuits back on so that you act like yourself, you stay relationally engaged, you have to disconnect briefly, 
find some curiosity and re-engage with that curiosity. Now, there is a counterfeit form of curiosity to avoid, and that's called sarcasm, mm -hmm. right? You don't say, so I'm curious, are you always this stupid? Right? That is not, you know. Correct. I'm being stereotypical, but we tend to fall that way. We do. We can become very cutting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have curiosity. We haven't finished our cake. Now, you want to walk them through some yeah. of this? Yeah. Um, so appreciation. So one of the wonderful um, skills and habits that we can practice is just thinking about the good stuff. So if my relational switch is off, I'm not enjoying being with my wife at this moment. I'm upset because my feelings are hurt or whatever it is. Then I can think about, well, what is it I do enjoy about my wife? Or what are some of the gifts that God's given us recently that I can be thankful for? So just taking a few moments to, you know, focus on the good stuff. What was great about your week? What was good from your day? What interaction was life-giving? And that actually helps to activate the switch. Okay, good. So that you shift so back. So curiosity and appreciation. appreciation and, and what's next? Kindness. And that is when my circuits go off, I don't feel like being kind to you. Right. I feel like I feel like avoiding you. I feel like you just leaving would be a good thing. I feel like uh, being a little snarky would be a good idea right now. I just don't feel like being kind. And so that is a sign that these circuits have gone off. Mm. Because when my circuits are on and I'm acting like myself, I'm a kind person. Right. So why did I stop being a kind person here? It's because something triggered me and my circuits went off. Mm -hmm. So I need to recognize that. And then the last one is eye contact. You know, so a lot of times my wife will say to me, would you, you know, look at me, you know, look at me. And I'm like, you know, I'd rather not. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a sign that my yeah. circuits are off. What about the narrative engine and how does it affect us? And I want a story from you. So how have you personally experienced this? So narrative engine, basically now we're moving from the right side of our brain where all the nonverbal relational circuitry is over to the left side of the brain, which is the part of my brain that is really good at analysis and problem solving and storytelling. So it's the part of my brain that is weaving a narrative together as to why does this keep happening. So what happens is if my relational circuits are on, I will literally tell myself a different narrative than when my relational circuits are off. So if my circuits are on and I'm engaged and, and excited and appreciative about my wife, I have a very different narrative about her. But when my circuits go off, my narrative about her changes. Huh. And so like if my circuits go off, it's like, that's when I go into my, you know, it's like we have uh, some kind of a fight. We're upset with each other. I go into the next room and I go into what I call my man cave in the back of my head. And I am just like going, why does she always do this? Why doesn't she ever treat me like this? Why doesn't, you know, when is she going to get this right? And I hit, and, and what I'm doing is I'm rehearsing the narrative that justifies the emotion that I'm feeling. Hmm. And so if I'm going to break out of that emotion, I'm going to have to change that narrative. So I've got to realize now that isn't, that narrative isn't always true. It's, it only feels true when I feel like this. And so trying to get, sometimes getting your relational circuits back on actually helps you change that narrative and get back to a, a healthier narrative about the so other person. So if we person. brought Brenda in here, what story would she bring to the table of when that, that was a, a matter for you to discuss? <laughs> All right. So a classic one, I think we even have this in the book, was uh, there was one time where when, sometimes uh, I could tell my relational circuits went off because I would just shut down, right? And I would just stop talking. And, uh, and we would be in the middle of a fight and I would just... Be quiet. And so she's sitting on the bed. I'm sitting on the couch and she looks at me. And normally she would say, we got to talk about this. We got to talk. And uh, this time she looked at me and she said, is it okay if I come and sit next to you? And I just shrugged my shoulders because I was not talking. <laughs> and uh, she sat next to me and then she looked at me and she said, is it okay if I hold your hand? 
And I looked at her, I said, you're really not good at this fighting for this stuff, are you? And <laughs> I said, okay, you can hold my hand. And as soon as she did, it was like, I could just feel this whoosh inside of, okay, all of a sudden this on-off switch popped back on, my relational circus came back on, and all of a sudden I realized I like this person, I want to have a kind conversation with this person, and uh, we could talk about our problem now relationally because both of us had our relational circuits on. Mm -hmm. If we talked about that problem when I was still had it off, I would have just, you know, been living out of this narrative instead of, but by getting our relational circuits reconnected and getting reengaged with each other, a different narrative took over. I'm like, no, I want this relationship to work. I want this problem to get solved. And we were able to uh, handle it totally differently. And but in that, that context, if I can add, yeah. Chris, you can bounce off of this, but it sounds like you got to react almost opposite of what your emotions are telling you to do. Yeah, exactly. That Part takes discipline. Well, it, it also took, but it largely took getting the circuits back on because what I found is that when my circuits are off, I do turn into a different person. Right. And I will treat my wife like an enemy instead of treating her like a friend. Mm. But when I, and it's as simple as getting the circuits back on and all of a sudden I don't feel like treating her like an enemy anymore. I want to, I now want our relationship to be bigger than the problem. And so she, what she did was helping me get there. So tying that together, you go back to your cake acrostic and the first one, curiosity, this is where that would play, right? Where you have to keep, if you're the one with more joy in your bucket or your bigger joy bucket, you want that curiosity so you can help your spouse um, yes. enlarge his or her joy bucket. That's right. And if I'm if I'm in a, a having a great day and my joy levels are really high and I see my wife, uh, her she's just not had a very good day, so those joy levels are not what they could be. You know what? I'm going to say, hey, honey, what, what do you need right now? Like, you know what? Uh, I'm ready to go have some fun. I feel like we should, you know, go go out and do something fun. She's, no, you know, I'm not in the mood. Okay, well, what would be meaningful for you right now? Like, what do you need? So curiosity is a very helpful invitation uh, for connection. Well, I hope you're paying attention to the great wisdom and insight from Marcus and Chris. They'll be back in just a moment. And if you haven't yet done so, take our free marriage assessment. I'm going to encourage you to do this. More than a million people have completed this marriage assessment. It takes about five or ten minutes to fill out. You'll see some really good strong points about uh, where you're at in your relationship and maybe a point or two for growth. Uh, you can see the show notes for details. And uh, now with that, let's go ahead and hear more from that Focus on the Family broadcast conversation with Marcus and Chris. Now you have another acrostic, plan is it. And uh, let's get into that because these are some of the practical ways to do what you just said, Chris. Yeah. And the first one I like, play together. Absolutely. And I think that helps build that bucket as we're talking. So aside from the obvious, how does a married couple learn to play together? Well, and you think about it, uh, friendship is the foundation of a really good marriage. You want to be good friends. And if you're not playing together, are you really friends? You know, <laughs> because friends are tend to be people you would invite over to, to play and to do things together. And some of it's really simple stuff like making sure you take time to take walks now and then, uh, playing cards together, doing things that you both like, watching a movie, but talking about it and interacting over it and not just, I mean, it's just... You're treating somebody like you're, they're a friend that you enjoy doing stuff with. Yeah. And so playing together is huge. You describe that like I smiles and date yes. night, getting uh, relational. I was, Jean and I were talking about this th this morning, and she said, you know, actually, I said it to her. You do I smiles through the phone. When she answers the phone when I'm calling, she's so upbeat. And I said to her, that is so 
good for me to hear when I call. Hello, how are you? I mean, it's just upbeat. So it's like a phone smile. It is. And you (laughs) know what? Joy is best grown visually and through voice tone. And so that's exactly right. You can hear it in the voice. Mm. Are you glad to be with me? And that's what our joy center and our joy bucket's always asking. Are you glad to be with me right now? And that leans into the next one, listen for emotion, the L of play. Right. What is that? And, and, you know, for us people that may not understand that clearly, give us some concrete examples. So going back to the right and left side of the brain, the left side of your brain naturally listens for problems. And the right side of your brain, in order to train it, needs to be trained to listen for emotions. So what happens in a lot of conversations that I have is as soon as I hear the problem, I quit listening because, oh, that's the problem. I can fix that. I'll let you finish whatever you're doing, but we'll circle back and <laughs> oh, fix the problem. Oh, that is such a right? big uh, landmine. Landmine. Yeah. But yeah. also, I mean, I, I relate to that. So <laughs> uh, part of what we're uh, telling people in learning to listen for emotion is the idea that you listen for emotion first, and then you identify the emotion accurately and how big it is for that person. Now, you don't have to agree that they should be feeling it, You're just acknowledging that this is, in fact, how they're feeling. And that helps them feel seen, and it helps them feel understood. And now you can circle back and solve the problem, and you're going to do it from a relational foundation instead of skipping the relationship and going straight to the problem solving. And so where most of us make our mistakes in all kinds of relationships, whether it's leadership or parenting or marriage, is that we lead with problems in our conversations instead of... uh, taking the time to listen for the emotion. All right, we got to move quickly. So that's the P and the L of play. Now appreciate daily. That right. sounds like a no-brainer for us as Christians. It does, but a lot of us confuse gratitude with appreciation. And, th- and that is, if I just say, well, thank you for doing that, that's almost a left brain task and I can check off my list. Appreciation is where I take the time to really uh, let them know how it made me feel, how it affected me, you know, how good this was. In other words, taking three, four, five minutes, you know, to let people know that this was really uh, uh, something I appreciated. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Uh, your wife, Jen, we got to get her in here. You yes. have a little story about you and Jen. What happened? Yeah. So when we were newlyweds, uh, we discovered something very important that at night when she tries to fall asleep, she has a very busy brain and she can't fall asleep. And I'm a light sleeper. So we discovered this was not making a very restful night for either of us. So uh, I was learning about all this brain research, and I thought, you know, let's try an exercise here. So one night we decided while laying in bed, just cuddling, um, we shared three things from our day that that brought a smile. So three good moments, good things from our day could be very practical. Like, hey, you know, I really enjoyed watching the snowfall today. That was really meaningful. Then she does her three. And then I share three things I like about her. You know, I appreciate, honey, that when our friend came over uh, this evening, you your hospitality was amazing. I really like how warm and hospitable you are and how you make our home just a, a joyful place. So I'd share three things with examples. She would share three things. And it was this point in the exercise, I could physically just feel her body start to relax. Hmm. But there was one more step. And that was, what are three things that we appreciate about God? I might say, you know what, I really appreciate God giving me this opportunity to spend time with my friends today, that this has been such a meaningful visit. And you know what, I'm just thankful that God really values relationships. Uh, My three things, with examples, she shares her three things. It would take us 10 minutes to do this exercise. The nights that we did this exercise, Jen would fall asleep within 10 minutes of the exercise and have a wonderful night's rest. 
There's Very somebody practical. thinking, I'm just feeling it. Someone's thinking here in this right now, boy, three smile day. That's a good day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. Yes. All right. The N is nurture rhythm, and that's plan. That's the acrostic. Yeah. So who wants to speak to nurturing rhythm? Well, nurturing rhythm goes back to the idea that you have to have margin. You can't grow joy if there's no margin in your life. Wow, that can be the hardest thing, Marcus. Absolutely. And that's why you have to prioritize so that we have some practical ways that even busy people can grow some margin. For example, making your bedroom a problem-free zone. <laughs> like once we go to bed. Amen. Yeah. One, it's like when you go to bed at night, it's for a lot of married couples we've found is, it be, is the bedroom is the boardroom. Yeah. Jean has been awesome at that. I mean, early on in our marriage, I think she was far more, uh, she's a night person okay. and this can play into that, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, where she's energized and ready to conquer the world at about 10, 11 yeah. o'clock at night. <laughs> I don't know where the world is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my eyelids are shut, but you have to learn to do that, right? To, you do. To, uh, where's that rhythm for you as a couple? It is. And so establishing a rhythm of you know, marking out our calendar, when are we going to have our breaks to have play dates together? When are we going to have our weekends, but also creating a rhythm in your day that says, uh, this is when we're going to be together, knowing that I've got relational things to look forward to. I really love the practical nature of what our guests have been sharing. Uh, Marcus and Chris uh, have written that book, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, and um, it's actually being read by my wife, Dina, right now. Get your copy. Uh, We're going to have a link for it in the show notes. Uh, Greg and Aaron, we've talked a lot about romance and connection today, and um, I guess, Aaron, I'll come to you. The couple who needs some ideas for putting together a romantic evening, uh, what are some starting points for them? Yeah, well, a romantic evening involves many things. It's not just one or the other. It's, it's, a, it's a combination of many things. And so, you know, you think about a good evening for me would include laughter, you know, just sitting and having lighthearted conversation, but then doing something fun, um, doing something different, something new, going to a new restaurant. Recently, we drove um, 45 minutes to go to a new restaurant just because we could. And they were closed. <laughs> it, and it then was, what'd you do? Yeah, no, I'm it, joking. Was, <laughs> it was open. Yeah. <laughs> so we could do that. Hey, that's a and great then idea. maybe reminiscing about old times. I know Greg and I do a lot of that because we tell so many stories and just laugh and think about even things that have happened over the Christmas holiday. And then maybe some physical intimacy. And that's not just sex, but physical touch, even holding hands or, you know, having his arm around me. Adventure is always a good thing. And of course, deep conversation for me, heart conversation is always key. Granted, the whole evening can't be spent talking about my feelings and emotions. Although, I would probably like that, but yeah, I that, don't know that that, that would, would make fine, it a great it evening for you. <laughs> I just shut down. I just logged <laughs> off. So it's just a combination yeah. of that. And so if you're planning that special evening, think about all those components. I like that. And actually, we had a friend suggest that we take a moment and write down what Dina's perfect date is and what John's perfect date is. And we had to do this for each other. And um, she said, do that and then figure out how to, you know, get combinations of those two perfect dates together and go have a a nice time. And I thought, okay, that's good. And uh, to be frank, we did this exercise about six or eight weeks ago. And we haven't had our perfect date yet, but we're working on it. So, see, you've uh, got the information though. So that's good. That's a great beginning. When we were at the restaurant that Aaron was just talking yeah, about, yeah, where we drove about and had no idea what we we're getting into. As a matter of fact, when we pulled up, 
I just went, oh, this looks so cheesy. What have you done? Why are we here? And we had our whole family with us, and it turned out to be such a lovely restaurant. It didn't look like it from the outside, but the inside, perfect. The food, the food was, was amazing. Oh, it was phenomenal. But o- over time, I've collected just a bunch of conversation starters, and I keep them on my phone. And so as our family, as we were just sitting around the table, I pulled out my phone on the notes section and just started asking, you know, questions. Yeah. And one of them was like, if you could describe your ideal day, you know, what would that look like? And it was so interesting just hearing each family member kind of paint this picture of if I could create the best day ever. And even Aaron, what you said surprised me a little bit. All this to say that that I think Marcus talked about that idea of being curious, capturing these conversation starters, putting them on your phone, pulling them out, asking questions like, what would be your most romantic day if you could create it? Kind of like the couple head you guys do, John. Mm-hmm. It is so helpful. I got some good ideas just from listening to what a fun day would look like from Aaron. But I think that's the way you build these kinds of experiences. You really do need to sit down and talk it through, and then you can execute on those at some point. So I can't wait to hear how yeah, you and at, at Dina, some point. <laughs> yeah, what, what, how your day turns out. At some point. Well, um, next season, we'll tell you how that went. <laughs> I've got a year to go. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes, yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll be reminded. Well, whether or not uh, the romance in your marriage is what you want it to be, maybe you want it to be rekindled, um, we're here for you. Greg and Aaron have written an excellent book called Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Your Marriage. And uh, if you are looking for something to read together, this is a wonderful resource. Uh, You can get a copy from us here at Focus on the Family when you make a generous donation of any amount to the ministry today. And of course, we'll have links for how to do that and uh, for a variety of resources, including the Smalley's book, that free marriage assessment, and many, many other things to help you wherever you're at in your relationship. Just look in the show notes for all of it. And next time, we'll discuss the importance of connecting spiritually with your spouse. Right now, for Greg and Aaron and the rest of our team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Loving Well Podcast.